Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, guys? Lucky week number 13 of the NFL season is in the books. And, uh, I mean, it, it just, it, it's, it, it, it was uh, heartbreaking, actually, because, you know, the with the Thursday night game and the afternoon game, or the early games, I should say, on Sunday, going into the three afternoon games and the Sunday night game, I was, I think, what, seven in one, something like that. My only defeat... Uh, the only pick I got wrong in the early games was somehow the Cardinals beating the Steelers, which I think all of us got wrong, and a lot of us put heavy points on the Steelers. But um, then the three games in the afternoon, I only got one of those wrong. So going into Sunday and Monday night, I was 9-2. and two. So going into Chiefs-Packers, uh, going into Jaguars and... Um, Bengals, I was 9-2. and two. Well, I believe as most of, if not all of us, we lost both of those games. The Packers beat the Chiefs. The Jags uh, took it to overtime but couldn't get past the uh, Bengals after Trevor Lawrence uh, got hurt. And uh, I had, And what the real bitch of it is, I had my two heaviest confidence points on those games. So I was 9-2. and two, Going into Sunday night with, uh, I think, like 60-something points, maybe. But I had 25 waiting to be claimed. 13 if I if the Chiefs win, 12 if the Jags win, and I lost both of those games. So, yeah, it was it was a disaster. It was a disaster. I mean, I, I started off as well as one possibly could and then crashed and burned, uh, you know. It's like, because combined... With the afternoon games on Sunday, the Sunday night game, and the Monday night game, I went from what seven and one to nine and four. So I went two and three in those last five games. It, it was it's bananas, bananas. And I had some heavy points on just about all those games. The games that I lost, I only lost four games, but the point totals on the games that I lost, I put ten on the Steelers, lost that. I only put two on the Browns beating the Rams because I, I wasn't sure the Browns could do it, but I was banking on that defense, and yeah, that didn't work out. But I put 13 on the Chiefs and 12 on the, on the Jaguars. So I lost 25 points there, 10 more on the Steelers. So th- I lost 37 points in my four losses this week. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> that absolutely sucks. So... Let's go ahead and 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 recap. Uh, you know, it's like you'll hear a lot of this, you know, but uh, the ones that go this way, yeah, th- those ones hurt bad. So let's go ahead and get started. This is the week thirteen review episode of the fourth phase. So let's get to it.
Welcome to the fourth phase, presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. So disappointing. I mean, and, and, it, and it got off to such a promising start, you know, with, like I said, with the through the Thursday night game and, you know, through the 12 o'clock games here in the in the Midwest. Uh yeah, as as of like three o'clock on Sunday, I was seven and one. Things were looking good, you know. I was like, I'm gonna have a hell of a week, and you know, and all that kind of stuff. And and it just like the Jags over the Bengals and the Chiefs over the Packers just seemed like gimmies. They really did, and it's just yeah, didn't get either one of those games right. And the only game I got wrong in the afternoon only cost me two points. So big deal, you know. Yeah, it sucks that the that I got the Steelers game wrong, but it was only one game, and uh, you know. I hit on everything else kind of thing, but it's just like I, I got all my big games wrong. All but one double-digit because we had 10, 11, 12, and 13 because we had six teams on the bye, so three fewer games. So the highest point total of the week was 13. And I got my 13 game wrong, I got my 12 game wrong, and I got my 10 game wrong. So three out of the four values with double digits this week, I got those games wrong. I don't know who I put. Did I think I put eleven on the Cowboys or somebody like that? And just, but the the one eleven point, you know, my one eleven point game. That's the only one that I got right. Everything else with double digits, I got wrong. So the other, the flip side is, I only got one single digit game wrong. But you know, big deal. So, but uh, anyway, guys, let's go ahead and and dive right in. And as we do on our review episodes, we begin with the pick six. Only three games in the pick six this week. Spoiler alert, I got them all right because uh, it was the Thursday game and uh, we had one of the early games that I got right and the uh, the game of the year, the Niners and the Eagles, which turned out to be anything but, uh, you know, as basically San Francisco kind of imposed their will uh, on the Eagles. And we'll talk about that here in just a few moments. But we begin on Thursday night football where we had a matchup between the Seahawks and the Cowboys, both these teams uh, gr- playing on Thursday for the second week in a row. These Both these teams played on Thanksgiving. Uh, the Cowboys played in the afternoon game. The Seahawks played the Niners on the late game. But, you know, the difference here being that they weren't doing it on short rest. They had a full week of practice, they had a full week of rest and preparation to get ready uh, for this game, and frankly, it showed, especially on the Seahawks uh, side of things, because this game it was a it was virtually a game of Madden out there, forty-one to thirty-five, the final score uh, there. The Seahawks came out really, really hot in the first half. They had the ball uh, four times, and they scored three touchdowns. And the one time they didn't score, they missed a field goal. So they were leading 21-20 to 20, uh, at halftime. And then in the second half is where things really kind of started to uh, fall apart for Seattle. I mean, it, it took until the middle of the fourth quarters, but the, the Cowboys finally figured out how to stop the Seahawks because the Seahawks came out and in the second half scored two more touchdowns to push their total uh, to 35. And I think they were still winning the game. Uh, at that point. So it's like the Seahawks led until the middle of the fourth quarter. And then Seattle's last three drives of the game were all turnover 
on downs because the, the I think Geno Smith threw an interception in in the second half at one point, but it didn't result in any points for the Cowboys, if I'm not mistaken. So, or maybe I'm thinking of a different uh, game. Let me double check real quick. But I mean, it was it was that kind of game where it was just it just kept going and going and going and going. Uh, going back and forth with the uh, with the points uh, and everything. Like I said, the Seahawks were just uh, on fire out of the gate. I mean, they, they for a team that that looks so bad uh, against the 49ers, for a team that could not catch a break, especially in the first half. I mean, it was it was a game long epidemic for them, but especially in the first half, the the Seahawks lived inside their own ten yard line as far as starting field position. Uh, in that game, in this one, you know they were they were luckier, but and but it's like they were killing the Cowboys with big plays. Their first touchdown drive, three plays, seventy five yards uh, on that drive, and it, it was uh, you know it was all on one play. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, the seventy three yard touchdown pass to DK Metcalf, you know, and, and it just you know then the the Cowboys respond with a touchdown. Then there was the missed field goal with Seattle. The Cowboys then went up 17-7 with another touchdown. And then it were they were the Seahawks were off to the races because their next one, two, three, their next three touchdown drives. The next three drives were all touchdowns. Two in the second half and their fir- and the opening drive of the second half. So that's where how they, they went into the half at 21-20 and then took a 28-20 lead there in the uh in the start of the half. And then, like I said, the interception that, that Geno Smith threw, so I was thinking of the right game. Geno Smith did throw an interception in the late in the third quarter, but it ended up, ended up being a four and out for the Cowboys. They were uh, in Seattle territory. They went forward on fourth and two. They came up short, so they gave the ball back to Seattle. And then what you thought might be a back-breaking moment for the uh, for the Cowboys, the Seahawks went five plays and seventy yards, went right back down the field, uh, scored a uh, scored a touchdown, another one for DJ Metcalf. I think that was his was that his second or his third? No, it was his yeah, it was it was his third of the game actually. That was his third touchdown, yeah, of the game. So they went up thirty five to twenty seven in that. Uh, in that drive, and there were, uh, I mean, it was still early in the fourth quarter, so you're thinking, you know, they haven't figured out how to stop him yet. And, um, but, you know, it was like, like I said, after that touchdown drive, the next three drives for the Seahawks were all turnover on downs. They had their next drive, 10 plays, 29. I don't know how you only, how you manage 10 plays when you only move the ball 29 yards. I don't know how that's possible, but the Seahawks managed to, uh, pull that off then they give the ball back to the uh Cowboys and that's when the Cowboys took the lead cuz after their last touchdown the Cowboys answered with a field goal it's 35 to 30 then the turnover on downs then the Cowboys scored their last touchdown when Prescott found uh Ferguson the tight end in the end zone and took the two pointer to make it a field goal game 38-35 turnover on downs for the Seahawks Cowboys come back with another field goal drive to make it 41-35. Turnover on down for the Seahawks. That's your ball game uh, right there. So, I mean, it's uh, 
regarded as the best Thursday night game of the year, and no doubt, but unlike virtually every other Thursday night game except maybe the opener uh, of the season, this was, uh, you know, the outlier as far as Thursday night games go because both teams had a full week to get ready. So it wasn't like it was a miraculous uh, Thursday night shootout because these games just these teams just played on Sunday afternoon. No, they played the, the previous Thursday, so they had a full week of rest and preparation uh, and everything. So, I mean, it was a valiant effort uh, from the Seahawks, but it was like right after they scored – that last touchdown to make it 35 to 27. And like I said, it, it kind of felt like a backbreaking moment for the Cowboys. Like they might actually lose their first home game uh, of the season. And uh, no, they, uh, they answered with a field goal. So yeah, confidence is not shot. And then offensively, it just went downhill for the Seahawks after that three drives in that fourth quarter. And uh, you know, they got nothing out of it. 29 yards on that 10-play drive, 24 yards, so that's 53, plus 25 more at the end of the game. So t- three drives, only 78 yards on 20 plays. So, yeah, and it's uh, it just didn't work out for the uh, Seahawks. Then basically, the even though it ended in regulation, it was one of those games where the Cowboys just kind of outlasted uh, the Seahawks. They uh, They just couldn't keep it up. With the uh, the scoring, the, the Cowboys are as an explosive an offense as there is uh, in the NFL right now, or at least when they're playing most teams. This is the first team with a winning record that the Cowboys have beaten uh, all season, and you see the effort that it took. It's like as as scary as the Cowboys can be, they don't frighten anybody that they're going to run into uh, in the playoffs. And, and when I when I say run into in the play, I mean the 49ers or the Eagles. I mean, and the Cowboys have the Eagles this coming Sunday. And so we'll see if the uh the Cowboys have it in them to put their big boy pants on and actually you know, take it on take on a good team because they have the the Eagles at home next Sunday night on uh, Sunday night football. Then they're at Buffalo, at Miami, home for the Lions and then at the Commanders to close out the season. So I don't know. We'll see because uh the Bills are a 500 team right now, but if if they've got it figured out on offense because they've scored over 30 points, including, what, 30, 34 or something like that against the Eagles last Sunday because they were on a bye week uh, this week, but if they've figured out their offense, will they be able to uh, you know, generate enough points against the Cowboys to make that one interesting, if not pull off the upset can the Cowboys step up against the Eagles because they came up short in Philly earlier uh, this year it was a one score game but you know anytime that the Cowboys have played and this isn't just this season but virtually any other time they do what the good teams do and that's they beat up on the, the the inferior teams the weaker teams the the losing teams but when it comes to you know, and I think I made this analogy in the, in the preview show. They're a bully, and when they run into another bully, they're the ones that walk away harmed. You know, so yeah, we will uh, we'll see, and we'll, obviously that's going to be a game that we feature in the the pick six this week, talking about Cowboys and Eagles. But I banked on the Cowboys, and they came through for me. <laughs>
Denver at Houston. Uh, very interesting uh, football game. Uh, it came with a uh, very crazy kind of uh, ending there and, and, a, and a lot of um, regret on the side of the uh, of the Broncos. But they played another one of these close games. And for only the, what, the second time in six weeks, they've act, they actually came up short this time. But in the early going, Houston was very much in charge, um, shutting down the, the Broncos completely uh, on offense. Aside from a late field goal in the second quarter, it was a shutout half for the uh, Texans. You know, they were up 13-3. to uh, at the half, and a lot of the credit for that goes to that Broncos defense because even though they gave up 13 points, the two field goals Houston kicked from the Denver 11 and the Denver 20. So both of those were red zone trips where the defense finally cinched up and had, you know, the Texans had to settle for field goals. It also happened again in the third quarter as well. The last field goal that the Texans kicked in the Second half was also inside the uh, inside the Denver red zone. So while thirteen to three or thirteen to nothing, you know, especially going to that final minute of the first half is a bad look. It's a lot better than twenty one uh, to nothing because that's that's how it was looking as the Texans were marching their way down the field uh, on them uh, and everything. So it was it was the 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 defense coming in clutch as far as. You know, getting stingy at the right time uh, on those drives, and when when Houston was trying to deliver that killer blow, the defense really stepped up. Yeah, that first drive when they went up three nothing, they got all the way down to Denver uh, eleven and had to settle for the field goal. Uh, they did get a ten play seventy five yard drive on the ensuing uh, drive, so they were able to get that one in uh, to score from three yards out. Damian Pierce rushing touchdown, and then after another punt, seven plays, 69 yards, they got down to the Denver 20 and came up short there, had to settle for uh, another field goal. So, I mean, while the first half was all Houston because it wasn't until the, uh, what was it? Yeah, there was a buck 24 to go in the half when the when the Broncos finally put a decent drive together where they 13 place 56 yards the last like five minutes to go in the uh in the half they kicked the field goal with a minute 24 uh to go to send it to 13-3 at the half and then in the second half it was basically more of the same because the the Broncos let off with another punt I mean they actually lost six yards on the drive then the then another field goal and it was seven plays 40 yards for the um, Texans, and they got down to the 20-yard line of the uh, of the Broncos. Couldn't make it happen. Had to settle for the field goal. So, I mean, it's 16-3. to three, But, again, Houston, who's been so dangerous on offense, you know, very potent with C.J. Stroud finding. And I, and I wonder how much of that was, was, um, was uh, due to Tank Dell. Uh, one of C.J. Stroud's favorite targets being knocked out of the game. Uh, on the Damian Pierce touchdown run, he got folded over and, and ended up with a broken leg uh, in that game. I don't know if it's one of the I, – I mean, I, with, with only five games left, 
I don't know. I think Houston would have to make a deep playoff run to possibly see Tank Dell again, depending on how severe the fracture uh, is or the break uh, or anything. But it was a broken leg. They had to cart him off. And like I said, there were, you know, two more field goal drives after that. And I wonder how much he may have been missed uh, on those drives. But um, Nico Collins made up for it. He had a fantastic uh, game uh, in this one. Yeah, Collins, nine catches, 191 yards uh, and a touchdown uh, in this one. And Tank Dell did not record a catch, even a target in the game. So, I mean, that's how... Yeah, he was missed in the game. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, nine catches for Nico Collins. He more than made up for what what they were missing. But just having the option of Tank Dell, who, like I said, has been one of C.J. Stroud's favorite targets uh, this year, uh, you you wonder how uh, maybe one of those, one or two of those touchdown drives could have uh, gone the distance had he been out there uh, during that game. But, after the uh, field goal for the Texans to put them up 16-3 to in the third, they trade punts, and then finally the Broncos put a drive together. Three plays, 58 yards. Um, Wilson finds Cortland Sutton for a 45-yard uh, touchdown. Now we got a ball game. It's 16-10, to and that's the thing. I mean, as Bear fans, for those of you that are Bear fans listening to this, we know because we saw it happen over and over again under Matt Nagy where we're settling for field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. And, you know, when it's going that way, just to keep pace, you have to score twice for your for every one touchdown that you allow. Three times if you want to take the lead. So, I mean, here it is. The Texans have scored four times with three field goals and a touchdown. And the Broncos scored their first touchdown. All of a sudden, it's a one-score game uh, just like that. And, um, you know, but then after that is where it all kind of started to fall apart as well uh, for the Broncos because um, on the next drive for the Broncos, Wilson throws his first interception. And the the, uh, Texans take that for a touchdown. Four plays, 21 yards. Uh, Stroud finds Nico Collins for his one touchdown play. The two-point attempt fails so it's 22 to 10 uh at that point then Denver answers and again here comes the danger of settling for field goals because now it's a five-point game Denver scores a touchdown uh again Wilson found uh Will Lutz or excuse me not Will Lutz (laughs) Wilson ran it and then Will Lutz kicked the extra point that's what happens when I'm just searching for the names uh in these play-by-plays but uh, yeah, Wilson runs it in from uh, from one yard out. Now it's twenty two to seventeen. But unfortunately, for the next two drives, Denver ended the game or ended their drives with interceptions, and uh, the defense was being stingy. They didn't allow any more points, you know. But the second interception didn't lead to points for Houston. But it sucked almost five minutes off the clock for the drive that the. Um, for the drive that the Texans went on after that, you know, four minutes, 57 seconds taken off the clock. And Wilson threw that interception with nine and a half minutes uh, to go. So now there's less than five minutes uh, to go after that. Um, And even still the Broncos with their two interceptions, 
You know, they, they get the ball back. They're only down 22-17. There's four minutes to go uh, in the game. The Broncos went on a 14-play, 72-yard drive, got them all the way down to the Houston 8-yard line. And two shots, it was first and goal from the 8. First two shots were unsuccessful. And then the third shot into the end zone resulted in the game-killing interception. Uh, Wilson uh, looks like he was going for, I think it says Krull, the interception, and it was in, in, intercepted by Ward for the uh, for the Texans. And, you know, obviously Houston kneels on it for the final play of the game. Yeah, because that, that play happened with like 10 seconds to go. This is when the last interception uh, took place. So Wilson's third and final interception all in the second half is what uh, did the Broncos in there but I mean like I said that's gonna sting because even with the first two interceptions um the first one led to the touchdown that basically won the game for Houston the second one like I said didn't result in points but the drive that Houston went on took five very crucial minutes off of the clock and then even despite all of that the Broncos still had a shot uh, you know even the touchdown without an extra point gives them the lead uh and everything but it was the Texans who made the big play in the end zone with the interception to hold off the uh, Broncos 22-17. to Houston stays relevant. They're right on the fringe of a, of a playoff berth. They're not back in yet, but they're right there uh, because they're behind uh, Indy and Cleveland, both at 7-5 and five, uh, right now, who I think are 6-7 and seven in, the, uh, in the playoff race uh, right now. But... Houston stays there, and with the way that Cleveland is struggling, and Houston can be, or excuse me, Indy can be very erratic at times. They just happen to be benefiting from a fairly weak schedule at this point. Uh, I wouldn't count the Texans out yet, but they got the win, and I got my pick right. <laughs> Finally, on Sunday afternoon, the Fox America's Game of the Week. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this was kind of sizing up to be the game of the year. Uh, frankly, you know, the Eagles and the 49ers uh, in this one. And it was, you know, the first quarter was the Eagles doing what the Eagles do. You know, they're playing solid defense. They were moving the football, but hadn't, they had to settle for field goals. You know, first drive, 12 plays, 67 yards. Drive stalls out at the San Francisco 8-yard line. They have to. Uh, kick the field goal. Elliott hits it from 26 yards out. The 49ers' first two drives, two three and outs, six plays, negative six yards. And it's funny how the number six would play into the rest of the football game because their first two drives, six plays for negative six yards. Their next six drives resulted in touchdowns every single one of them and you know it, the even with the the next drive with the the Eagles 12 plays 53 yards get all the way down to the San Fran 21 so just outside the red zone settling for that second field goal then the second punt drive for the um Niners and then the next six times the 49ers have the football they score touchdowns the only time they didn't score after those first two drives was when they were kneeling off the ball at the end of the game. Outside of that, 
Every time they had the football, they scored a touchdown. And the thing about it is that every one of these drives was a will-imposing march down the field. So some of the plays were, some of the drives were shorter. There was one that they only took five plays. There was one that only took seven. But there, the other one, there, there's one for 10. There's one 11 plays. There's one for 12 plays where they're just moving the ball down the field, running the ball, throwing the ball. Uh, you know, how the 49ers and Shanahan love their switches and their motions and, you know, pre-snap this and, and all that kind of stuff. And they did it all on the uh, on the Eagles and just moved it right down the field. I mean, it was getting to the point where it's like, it was, is this, which one is the 10-1 team and which one is the team that went on a three-game losing streak at one point during this season? Because it didn't really look like the those records belonged to the right teams uh, in this game. You know, the, the, the 49ers, their first touchdown drive, 11 plays, 85 yards. And that one was capped off by the uh, Brandon Ayuk pass from from Purdy. And, and, and Purdy was masterful uh, in the game. 19 of 27, 314, four touchdowns, zero picks. So, again, the thing that was killing them in their three-game losing streak was Purdy started turning over to football. And in the three, what, three games, four games they've won since then, I don't think Purdy's turned over the ball more than once in those four, like total, in those four games, I think Purdy's only turned the ball over one time. And that was the thing about what the Niners were doing to Philly, is that Philly wasn't turning over the ball. They were just not able to do anything offensively. And, and you know, yeah, the Eagles, or, or Hurts got sacked three times, by the Eagles, but it wasn't like he was constantly under because they he's the Eagles arguably still have the best offensive line uh, in football. So the fact that the Niners got three sacks on them it says a lot. But at the same time, um, you know it wasn't like Philly turned the ball over a ton uh, or anything like that. It was like after they scored that second field goal to go up six nothing, the next drive was three and out. The following drive, six plays, 14 yards. They punt the ball back. The Niners scored their second touchdown. You know, first drive of the second half, 10 plays, 58 yards, touchdown. Great. Now it's 21 because the 49ers scored 21-6. So now it's back to a one-score game, 21-13. Well, then the 49ers went five plays, 77 yards, and made it 28-13. Then Philly punted, giving the ball back to the 49ers, who did what? Scored their fifth touchdown. In a row, Philly scores another touchdown, makes it thirty-five to nineteen. But it's like the 49ers answered every single time with a touchdown, and it's obviously what they did was not realistic as far as you know. It's not sustainable to score a touchdown on every single drive, but the 49ers could do no wrong offensively, and the Eagles could do no right. I mean, it, and again, it wasn't like it. This was a game where the refs really screwed Philly or Philly had stupid penalties that kept, you know, extending the drive, you know, like you've seen the Bears do many, many times where, oh, we stopped them on third and five, but there was a a legal hands to the face or there was a holding call or some, you know, piss poor uh, roughing penalty or something like that. The 49ers just kept moving the ball down the field one play after uh, another and one drive after another, six in a row, in fact, resulted in, uh, in touchdowns, you know, and it was like Philly kicked an onside kick after their last touchdown when they made it 35 to 
uh, 19. And after that, two plays, 48 yards. Uh, I think it was it was Debo Samuel that broke one for like 45 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Purdy pass, short pass left, Debo Samuel, 46 yards. So, yeah, that was his third touchdown uh, of the uh, of the game. So, yeah, Samuel ran for, ran for one and caught two. Four catches, 116 yards, two touchdowns for Debo Samuel. So, yeah, it was a uh, – San Francisco was in a class all their own. Uh, on Sunday, they they really just dominated what was supposed to be that like marquee matchup of the uh, of the season up to this point was these two, arguably the two best teams in the league going head to head with one another because the AFC, even though they're very top heavy with the with their records, has really turned into a mess. You know, the, I think Miami is number one in the AFC now after after winning again on Sunday. And with the Chiefs losing, they're eight and four, so they're like the three seed now. With the Jags losing, they're the they're four, you know, and things like that. And, and and you know, it's it's only on the NFC side that we have, you know, nine and ten win teams now. So it's uh, yeah. So the Niners and the Eagles and hell even the Cowboys uh, are, are playing some really outstanding uh, football. But I've if. You know, if I'm putting a power ranking together, I'm picking the 49ers to be uh, the best team uh, in the NFL. So, and even though I, I I really thought this was going to be more of a fight, more of a war, and a much closer football game than it ended up being, uh, I put one on the 49ers, so it wasn't that big a deal, win or lose. Um, but I got the pick right. So in the pick six this week, Larry D's undefeated. <laughs> So there you have it, guys. The pick six for week number 13. We'll have, there's only two teams on the bye next week for week 14. So we'll have a five game pick six. And then from week 15 through the last, through the end of the season, we'll have six games in the pick six uh, each week. Maybe. We'll see. It's like maybe we'll just stick to four and, and, and everything is, you know, even with only 13 games, I had trouble finding three games to feature. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was more like I had find I had trouble finding two more games other than San Francisco and Philly uh, to feature. So maybe that I'll run into that problem uh, again, and we'll just be like, eh, we'll just yeah, we'll just we'll talk about these games, and the rest will be in the All Out Blitz." So, speaking of the All Out Blitz, let's go ahead and get the show closed out, wrapping up the rest of the Week 13 schedule with this week's All Out Blitz. All-out blitz for week number 13. We begin in Tennessee. Colts and Titans. The Titans were game with their best offensive output in six weeks. But even that wasn't enough as the Colts answered Tennessee's overtime field goal with a walk-off Michael Pittman touchdown to keep their wild-card spot with a 31-28 win over the Titans. Chargers at Patriots. Not much to say here. There were six points scored between the two teams. Chargers win 6 nothing. Who cares? Detroit at New Orleans. The Lions got off to a 21 nothing first quarter lead and then spent the game staying in front of New Orleans. The Saints made a 28-12 run the rest of the way, but it wasn't enough as the Lions hang on 33-28. Atlanta at the Jets. The Jets continue to be the most lopsided team in the NFL. 
Their championship-level defense scored a safety, allowed less than 200 yards of offense and only 13 points, and still lost because their offense is absolute trash. 13-8 for the Falcons. Arizona at Pittsburgh. Here's proof that the god, the football gods have his glorious sense of humor. A desert-bound dome team came into a rainy, cold Pittsburgh and took the Steelers to the woodshed, 24-10. Very funny, guys. Carolina, in their first game under interim head coach Chris Tabor, the Panthers put in a game effort against the Buccaneers, but in the end it wasn't enough as the Bucs escaped with a 21-18 divisional win. Miami at Washington. I said this one could get ugly, and ugly it was. But Miami took their foot off the gas after a 31-7 halftime lead, then cruised to a 45-15 win over the Commanders. Cleveland at the Rams. Even the veteran Joe Flacco couldn't get the Browns' offense going, and the defense couldn't overcome the Rams' fourth-quarter onslaught as the Rams take it 36-19. Kansas City at Green Bay. Jordan Love outplayed Patrick Mahomes with 267 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks as Green Bay's third straight win gets them in the NFC playoff discussion with their 27-19 upset of the Chiefs. And finally, on Monday Night Football, Cincinnati at Jacksonville. Backup QB Jake Browning went 32-37 of 37 for 354 and a touchdown to outduel Trevor Lawrence, and it still took overtime for the Bengals to outlast the Jags, 34-31. to 31. Man, those buzzers, the, the, the three at the end, man, that sucks so bad. Uh, all you heard for the long, you know, all but once going into those final three games, all you heard was, blah, 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 here's my pick. You know, it's like, come on, man. And then it was like nine and one, and then those last three games were... Ugh, what a bastard. Damn it. Gotta love the NFL, though, man. They <laughs> find a way to rip your heart out every single time if you let them. So, anyway, guys, that is going to do it for the Week 13 review of the fourth phase. Come back on Thursday. We'll preview Week 14 uh, of the NFL schedule, and uh, we'll have at least at least four games in the pick six. Maybe we'll do five since we got 15 uh, games. It's it's the last buy of the season that goes to Arizona and Washington, both teams that could definitely use a break, even though Arizona's coming off of a uh, win. I know the commanders could definitely uh, use a break after giving up 45 points in two straight games to the Cowboys on Thanksgiving and then 45 more to the Dolphins. And like they said, the Dolphins took their foot off the gas in the second half, so that could have been another 70-point game for them, I believe, if they had just done what they wanted to in the second half of that ball game. But uh, like I said, come back on Thursday, and we'll preview week 14. And then on Friday, we'll get you ready for the Bears-Lions rematch, this time in Soldier Field. And our good friend Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit uh, from SB Nation will be here to uh, help us preview uh, that matchup. So, I mean, he was the one who tried to tell us going into this thing. He's like, I think the Bears have more of a shot than people think they do going into this one. And, you know, if not for that final four minutes, the Bears could have easily walked away with a victory uh, in that one, which means that Jeremy will probably be, you know, <laughs> kind of, I don't want to say afraid, but definitely nervous about this game, this rematch uh, in Soldier Field. The Lions typically do not play well 
in Chicago. They win sometimes. They won last year. But uh, it's always a very well-contested matchup, which is why for all the years that I've had him on my show, Jeremy and I have always said that this is the rivalry in the NFC North. This is where you have games that uh, where the outcome is, isn't predetermined. You know, so we'll see how the game turns out. We'll talk to Jeremy, see how he feels about this one. Uh, you know, did they bounce back against the uh, Saints or did the fact that they were up 28 to nothing and had to hang on for a 33 to 28 win make him nervous going into this Chicago game uh, as well? So come on back Thursday for a week 14 preview of the fourth phase. And then we got Bears Lions preview on Friday. Come on back for that. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase, and we will see you next time.